Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comic Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 282, um, the uh, da, 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 November 1991 issue on sale September 3rd of 1991 with a cover price of a dollar. This one's titled Payback. Yeah. And on the cover of this guy, we proudly proclaim that his name is Bishop, even though there's three dudes on the cover. Well, I think, you know. I mean, it's next to the black guy's name. so It's closest to the character that we will know, come to know as Bishop. Uh, who? What are the names of the other two guys? Oh, jeez. Generic <laughs> guy. and gen- I think they die in the next issue, so who cares? <laughs> okay. His name is Bishop, and nothing will ever be the same. Feel like that's a bit of a lie? Yeah. I mean... Much. I mean, I, I guess... I guess nothing will ever be the sense the same in the sense that Bishop will be there. And I guess nineteen what you what year did you say this was? Nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety two? Okay, so I guess nineteen ninety one uh mullets were awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean it's according to these guys. I don't think I had a mullet in nineteen ninety one. Definitely had one ninety. I probably did. I feel like I had a mullet uh until ninety five. Yeah, but Adam, you didn't. You had like kind of. I, w- I would classify your hair somewhere in between uh, mullet and hippie because you didn't really cut the the top. Like in my opinion, a true mullet is what Bishop is rocking here, where it's you know, well, it's business in the front, it's short up top, and then like wild and wavy in the back. Okay, I mean, I'm not gonna argue with you. I, I don't know. I had long hair. It was definitely. Uh... They definitely had one of them, the rat tails that were popular at the late 80s. Sure. Oh, I had a rat tail prior to 1990. Yeah. <laughs> nice and long. Although I don't think I ever would braid it or anything. Like it just was there. So it's just yeah. kind of like this nasty thing that just like <laughs> was in the back of my head. I'll be honest. I thought my hair was super cool, but in retrospect, it was probably super gross. I don't know. Hair changes throughout the generations i think i thought i had awesome hair and maybe i did for like a minute but i've never been able to regrow it the same way i think i understand hair differently than i did as a kid now mm-hmm. and uh yeah I, I, I was not taking good care of my hair we, what you, you weren't washing it oh uh, i i was i remember there was a day follow me readers if you will <laughs> <laughs> i used to get like really bad knots okay and there was a day when my mom combed out all the knots in my hair, and I think it was for it took it like an hour. Oh my god! And it was really painful, and uh, I believe it, I was in so much pain that my hair decided that it would never get knots again. So that was nice. Oh, yeah. that might be that, that feels to me like a transition between like like young kid hair and and grown up hair. Maybe maybe that's what it was. I feel like that's a a thing that happens maybe when you're eleven or twelve is, is maybe your because I think I also would get knots, but maybe that's just because as children, we just didn't brush our hair. And then three oh. weeks would go by and mom would come along and be like, let's brush this out. And you'd cry. Like, oh, it hurts. And I don't think I really washed my hair as much as I should have. Oh. I don't know. I think there's differing opinions on how often you're supposed to wash your hair. I don't right. know what's right. but Yeah, I mean, everybody's different, I think, is, is the prevailing but looking at these bishop flowing locks, he knows how often it is uh, yeah, to wash sure. his hair. All three of these guys do. They all have pretty rad hair. I'll, I'll give him that. The one guy there, uh, bottom bottom left, uh, he's got, looks like a wild ponytail plus uh, good 90s bangs. He's kind of rocking what you had back in the day because you had the you had the uh, the one strand in the front that was long and then everything else was short. I had that, but this guy's got like a ponytail to complement the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you could have you could have wrapped your mullet into a ponytail. <laughs> well, it's that's there was a yeah, you're right. There was a there was a oh boy, bad <laughs> hair days or bad bad hairstyles of the nineties. Anyways, um, out there at the end of Gray Malkin Lane outside Salem Center, Forge and the Professor are playing chess, but it turns out that Forge has a mental telepathy inhibitor, but the Professor wasn't really trying to read Forge's mind, even though it was giving him a headache. Despite all that, the Professor wins the chess match. It's kind of weird that Forge wouldn't tell the Professor about that. Yeah. But, you know. 
the, these guys are very jovial in their uh, chess game. They they kind of end the chess game with a big hearty laugh. Yep. And ah, a nicely done professor. I don't enjoy losing, even in the best of cases. But at least this is one loss where you can demand a rematch. <laughs> and then the X-Men show up when, for some reason, Storm has the ability to weather a sentinel head towards Forge. So it's I was assuming at first that it was just wind, mm-hmm. but Forge is grabbing it by the wind. I know it's very strange. Like this makes more sense if Gene were to be doing that. But as we know, Gene's dead and we'll get to that here in a second. The, the scale on this Sentinel head seems too small as well. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe storm also has the power to shrink things. I feel like a, a Sentinel head would be at least uh half your body size, if not your entire body size, but so she soaked it in water and then she lightened it and then it shrunk a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. She put it through the, the drying cycle and yeah. it shrunk. Didn't the professor and Forge play chess in X-Men, one of the episodes of that? Like issue four or five or something or maybe one through three? Yes. Okay. So they're they're trying to make this a thing. These are two intellectual uh, potentially, uh, potential, uh, potentially st- strategizing guys, and we're yeah, we're doing a thing here. We're building a relationship between these guys. How long will it last? It's a great question. I don't know. I wonder if this is it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jean is here. She's being held in the arms of Colossus, and he's like, "Well, it's a trophy of Battle Forge, a battle which has cost us much." Mm-hmm. Uh, Storm kind of catches the professor up on everything that we saw last issue. Uh, but the professor's like, ah, eh, she's not dead. I would have felt it because I'm physically attuned to you. Jean is not here, but she's not in this body. She's not in the body. Um, there is no trace of, what is that? I got to zoom in. Brainwave activity yet. She cannot be dead. Yeah. Uh, this is penciled and pictured by Wils Portacio. 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 Art Thiebert is the inker. Jean Byrne is the scripter. Uh, Dana Morse has the colors. Tom Morzkowski is the letter. Bob Harris is the editor. And uh, Tom DeFalco is the chief. Mm-hmm. Will Sportacchio? I've always said Portacio. I know. I, I don't know that any of the ways that I pronounce it are correct. But yeah, let's go with Portacio. I mean, you know, you could say Portacchio. And it's Willis, right? Willis Portacio. We cut to New York City where... John John Byrne does that thing where he can, carries on the sentence to the next page. Oh, right. It is displaced. Gene is alive, but not in this body. And then we cut to presumably where Gene's body will be. Yeah. If storytelling is done well. Uh, we cut to a, a bed where... Uh, what's his name? Sean? Uh, this is... Uh, uh, the Shin- son of... Shinobi. Yeah, the son of... The son of Shaw. Shaw. So Shinobi Shaw. He's laying in his gigantic bed when some sentinels, Fitzroy, uh, barge in and wake him up and show him the torso of Pierce. So Pierce is dead. Yes. He's a bit messed about, but you must recognize what's left of the old Saborg. Was this necessary? And he's like, I never do anything unnecessary, Shinobi. You know, just as sure as you know, this means I win. (laughs) And, uh... Fitzroy has uh, the White Queen. He's kind of holding her up. And this she's would conscious. Yeah, she's unconscious, and this is this is where we will find out that Jean's mind is on the very next page. In fact, she uh, she says, "Voice, where? Oh, Jean, what have you gotten yourself into?" So she's going to play possum for a little bit as this whole thing plays out. Uh, Fitzroy basically says i i'm the leader of the upstarts now give me the ring of the shaw ring so that i can be the leader and he's like no you can't have it and then fitzroy off panel kills shinobi i think he just cuts his finger off yeah that's what i thought too because he says uh now on the chance that your ring has grown too snug upon your finger he pulls out a knife and shinobi says you would not dare oh yes i would and but you realize i will do anything yarg 
And so I drew the same conclusion that he cut his finger off to grab the ring. Does Shinobi Shaw not have any powers? No idea. Okay. I mean, it looks like he has powers when he's doing something with the ring in the middle of the page. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe those are the ring's powers. It's like he has a, yeah, yeah. It's like a plasma effect and it may or may not be coming out of the ring. Um, We learn something about Fitzroy's powers and I won't spoil it until we get there. And I sort of wonder if that's actually what he did to Shinobi, but I guess we don't see it, so we don't know. Um, we also learn that Fitzroy says, "I not only have I captured a small band of Hellions for our later amusement, so the Hellions might still be alive. <laughs> Some of them were definitely confirmed as dead, but I guess the rest of them have all been um, captured. Well, we'll see at least one of them later. We, we, we see a bunch of them, but yeah, we'll... we'll We'll certainly focus our attention on one of them. Yep. No mention of the Reavers. So nope. Still dead. <laughs> uh, yep. So then we move over to the scream dies slowly in the midnight air, and in that Gray Malkin so, Lake. In Malkin Lane, other voices speak in hushed, grim tones. The scream dies. Yeah. So I don't know if Shinobi's dead or not. Maybe he's just missing a finger. I think he's just missing a finger. I think he's. I'm still alive now, but that doesn't mean anything. Right, exactly. So Forge extracts information from the Sentinel's head. They couldn't get all of the information because uh, I guess those pathways fused shut when the head was removed from the torso. But there's a floating fortress, uh, which is essentially an iceberg. They have a general idea of the approximate location, so they're going to go... See what they can see. Yeah, they don't say it on this page, but it's like, it's Antarctica. And so Forge says he's coming, and the professor says he's coming. And uh, Storm's like, well, I mean, it's not a great idea, but okay, you guys can come. I mean, she, she doesn't, like, yeah, she seems to object to both, but very quickly says, eh, all right. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a very weak protest, but uh, it's I guess it's noted. She'll not debate the issue, even though I want to. You really think that's a good idea, Professor? Well, man, I do not. But we have no choice linked to Cerebro. Yeah, the Professor, his reasoning is that whatever's happened to Jean, uh, the Professor is more in tuned to her psychic whatever, uh, that when the time comes to do the thing, he'll need to be there. And that makes sense, I guess. He will, he will need to help separate her from the new host. Exactly. And they're going to bring her body with them. So, yep, off they go. Here we get some very confusing. So in order to explain what happens here, I'm just going to say uh, Trevor Fitzroy's powers are apparently he absorbs life force and is able to create portals uh, with that life force. And here he's talking with uh, Bantam, his, I don't know what Bantam is, whatever. His manservant. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh and his job is supposedly to keep track of where he left all of the portals. And apparently he left a portal uh, in the wings and forgot to close it. Or I'm not really sure how this works. Maybe there's some energy left over from the portal. But somebody from the other side of the portal attempts to cross through one of the already used portals. But now because it was already used, it doesn't work anymore. And that the two people that attempt to come through get fused together into a horrific double man. Yeah, there's like a like a some fingers coming out of this guy's head. He's a mess. Oh yeah, those are fingers. Oh, I thought it was like funky hair. Yeah, I don't because uh, this portal appears as if so it wasn't there, but it opens as these people. So maybe maybe the other side that this guy Bantam or whatever his name is. He's supposed to keep track of the portals that are open on the other side, and maybe he has the ability to close them, but it, it opens in front of them. These two dudes come through. And well, here, Bantam Batman explains, uh, forgive me, my lord, all my calculations indicated there was insufficient energy available to maintain this portal. The life energy you had absorbed prior to opening the portal should have been expended by now. Right. Not good enough, Batman. Not good enough by half. So to do your job better, little man, or the next time I open a portal uh, into time, 
I'll know just where to get the life force to energize it. All of this means nothing until you understand uh, Fitzroy's powers, which is why I explained them. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to attempt to because I think you, you probably covered it. but I'm going to attempt to summarize if, if you'll let me and you can tell me if sure. I'm right or wrong on this. So my understanding is that Fitzroy absorbs life force. And with that life force, he's able to open up a portal and someone may travel through that portal only one way. Well, equiv- equivalent to the number of life forces that he has uh, absorbed. absorbed. Okay. So if he's absorbed if three life forces, three people can come through the portal. Gotcha. Okay. That, then that'll be important for later. And when those three people come through, then the portal theoretically closes. I guess in this case, maybe there was some, yeah, as, as band bat Batman mentions, there was some residue on the other side, which allowed these two to attempt to come through. That's a very, uh, 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 confusing power, convoluted. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 a fine power, but this whole like, I mean, I guess you know, you're always asking for uh, uh, like drawbacks of powers, like rules. I would say, yeah. So the, apparently, one of the rules is if as these some of these portals stick around, if you don't. I don't know. Sure, that, that makes sense. Right? Batman's job is to monitor and catalog all of Fitzroy's portals. And uh, apparently he lost track of this one. It doesn't really say, like, what does Bat Bantam do? Like, does he have some ability to close that portal? Or yeah, I, I don't really know what the purpose of cataloging and monitoring portals is, other than to say, hey, don't step there. Or, well... <laughs> There's a portal. But this is on the other side. So then we'd have to assume that Bat Bantam has the ability to communicate across the portal to the other side. A lot of things are not explained about this. Exactly. And so maybe let's just let's go with this for now until we know better. Uh, Bat Bantam is supposed to do all the calculations, then go to Fitzroy and say, hey, uh, you've got some residual power at this location. You got to close the portal. And then Fitzroy is like, think, little man, you're really keeping up your part of the bargain. And then he closes it. Uh Bantam is a little man. I feel like he would be played by Vern Troyer in the movie. Oh, sure. Or maybe uh, Tyrion Lannister. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what's his face? Yeah. Peter Dinklage. Although Peter Dinklage has already played someone in the X-Men movies, so maybe not him. Mm, I think I think it's all fresh now. They could reboot it. Bantam would never appear in a movie. I think they wouldn't waste uh, an actual actor on Bantam. I think they'd just make him a CGI guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then kill him. So he would be played by Patton Oswald, like everybody else is. <laughs> sure, it, it, yeah. Uh, Patton Oswald would be the um, the mocap guy, and then yeah. they yeah they'd make a amalgamation of him as a as a little dude, and then he'd die. So, anyways, yeah. So this guy, these two guys try to come through. They merge into one, and Fitzroy's like, "Wow, he's not going to last." But no need for this life force to go to waste, and so he absorbs the two men that are now one man. And so I guess he's now holding on. Yeah, he's holding on to basically two life forces for a portal that could potentially at this point bring two people through. Right. Yeah. And so off they go. Uh, The X-Men are now in the Blackbird. They're heading off to the Antarctic. And uh, Bantam says to himself, fool, you'd make my life easier if you would be more frugal in the use of your power. One day you may open one. one of your time portals, and the devil only knows what will come out of it. I guess that's foreboding. Some, yeah, I guess that's some foreshadowing. So yeah, they're they're above the Antarctic. Uh, the professor's got a lock on Gene. Who says "Ooh, baby"? Some kind of nastiness ahead. Is that Forge? Yes. It doesn't feel like a Forge thing. <laughs> it doesn't. Ooh, baby. Scanning, scanning. Ooh, baby. <laughs> I think they're trying to make Forge a kind of a, a hip, smart guy. Psychic energy is being warped, even shredded. So those are presumably the portals. Oh, yeah, probably. Xavier, what do you read? Very little, Forge. There must be some sort of psychic blockade and effect around the Sentinel base. I'm not even reading Gene's normal telepathic emanations. Uh, Professor also notes that he feels like if the if Emma Frost were truly dead, he would have felt that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I like that's just kind of making sure that they can bring back Emma Frost at a later date. Uh, 
I thought I would have detected the death of so powerful a telepath just as if I'd have known if Jean were truly dead. There is still a great deal we must learn before we can properly act. So, I mean, basically that means that the professor, the, the X-Men are going to swing around a couple times until they're needed. Yeah. Which is just stupid. Well, and that, that line about Emma Frost still existing, that, that actually does come into play later on. Colossus is going to mention something about being on guard because they don't know what's going to happen next when they do the thing. But before we get there, the uh, Fitzroy is surrounded by uh, lots of Hellions, it looks like. I don't think those are all Hellions, although they are all dressed like Hellions. Uh, and in the front, the one that he will ultimately absorb is Tarot. Uh, and the, yeah, they all have kind of that pink and purple. So, I mean, I guess some of these could be Hellions and maybe some of them are just Hellfire goons. Because that's a lot of Hellions. Yeah, I I don't know. The, this, I mean, there were definitely not this many Hellions. Let's go with a handful of Hellions and just the rest are all Hellfire goons. And they redress them for some reason? Sure. Yeah, the, the pink and purple helps Fitzroy's powers uh, <laughs> okay. work. So I was a little disturbed. I mean, the way this these two panels are drawn, I thought they had Tarot like bound up naked uh, and then absorbing their power. But they do go out of their way later on to show her in a purple outfit. And I felt better about that. She looks uh, clothed in the first panel she's in and then naked in the second panel. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's just it's the just how the lighting and the coloring work. But I was going to be a little disturbed of like, oh, come on, you guys, this is this is dark material. But I guess that says says more about me than it does the artist. <laughs> the uh, the sentinel that's hanging out says that there's an aircraft in the vicinity, and Fitzroy ignores it. Continue so, monitoring, but be silent. I got things to do. It's unlikely the craft represents any attempt of our captives' cohorts to mount a rescue operation. You're wrong, Fitzroy. You're wrong. Who says, Trevor? I wish you wouldn't talk like that. It makes me queasy. Um, somebody who he refers to as my dear. Oh, don't know that we uh, ever see this person in okay. close up. I don't know, like presumably somebody who's brought through a portal. This Fitzroy guy is is pretty nuts, right? I think last issue to me, he just kind of struck me as like a like a regular. A uh, menacing, tactile guy with lots of resources who could make things happen. And now he's just absorbing life forces left and right. I wouldn't want to hang out with this guy. Never know when he's going to snap. And he always looks very menacing all the time. Maniacal. He's got a little uh, mustache. It's like a pencil mustache. Yep. He's got some green hair. He's got the goatee, of course. Uh, you know, he's he's the... Uh, the the Fabian Cortez or the Gideon of Uncanny X Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did I did I wanted to see like how long these people last. And Trevor Fitzroy has a total of forty five appearances. Wow, that goes into let's see, his last issue would apparently be two thousand twenty two's X Men Legends number six. I don't know. 2018's Uncanny X-Men 2000, uh, tw- number 20. So he, he sticks around for a little bit. Okay. Not very much, though. Gideon has 32 appearances. Okay. And uh, he sticks around until Excalibur, 2019's Excalibur number 12. So he'll he'll stick around for a while. We know Cor- Fabian Cortez is in current issues of X-Men. He has 62 appearances. For those of you that have listened to the Patreon channel, you'll know exactly what uh, Fabian Cortez has been up to. Apparently his most recent appearance is in Legion of X uh, number nine, which is a series we did not cover. Did we cover the first issue? Maybe we did. I don't know. I don't remember. Interesting. Anyhow. These are not, uh, I mean, these are, these characters are not, I feel like they imagined they would be major characters when they created them. Oh, I'm sure. Jim Lee, Wills Partacio, Rod Liefeld. But yeah, nobody was like, oh, I can't wait to be using Gideon. <laughs> well. Uh, new Magneto. I betcha. I mean, they're the, the out with the old guard, in with the new. We're creating all these new characters. Magneto's dead. Killing off all these Hellions. Like, this is our book. This is our slate. This is our chapter. To, oh, Image Comics. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyways, yeah, so uh, Tarot's life essence is absorbed, and they bring through three guys who are like, well, well, little Lord Fitzroy, it's about time. So I guess Fitzroy has now, only now, just decided to bring through people. Uh, Kroger, Styles, and Burke. Yes. And these are just weird-looking Wills Portacio creations that I feel like don't matter. No. Nope. <laughs> I think these guys are not going to last in the timeline. Um, especially not one of them, the, the all-pale white guy with white hair and weird eye, eye, eye tattoos, I guess. Isn't he Kroger? Maybe he's Kroger. Maybe. He's like, uh, we had an arrangement and he's like, well, I don't, I don't care. I'm out of here. You brought me through and you're too weak because I beat you before and I'm going to just leave. And then he, Fitzroy with a very evil look on his face says, okay, why don't you just go back through the portal then? It won't take you back to where you came from. And Kroger's like, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. Hey, what? And- <laughs> and he gets kind of slurped through it and turns into like a big red splatter almost. So, I mean, this is neat in the sense that it shows that he can't, you can't reuse uh, Fitzroy's portals. Right. But it's, it's really dumb in the way they do it. It's like Kroger already doesn't trust this guy. He doesn't know where the portal's going to take him. Who's going to jump through a portal where they don't know where it's going to go? Right. I think it's also established somewhere in here that, Fitzroy can't go through his own portals? I believe so, which makes me wonder how he got here. I'm sure there's a explanation for that that we'll get at some point soon. Not in this issue. Um, and I don't know what stops the other two guys. I mean, I guess the other two guys are more lo- loyal. I guess. I mean, yeah, they just watch their friend get red splatted, and they're like, oh, all right, well, okay. And so... Fitzroy is is strained. He's weakened. It's time to uh, refresh myself. And I think that means he's going to go absorb the White Queen, yeah. who, who is Jean, who wakes up and levitates and uh, is able to repel, I think, some, some of these blasts. Levitation? But, Frost, you can't do that. You're nothing more than a telepath. I can turn into Diamond, too. She's got some kind of telekinetic power. Mm-hmm. I don't mean she can't turn into a diamond yet. Well, that's no. secondary mutation. And those aren't did yet. I know. <laughs> uh, oh, if our lovely Miss Frost has been hiding things from us, there will be time enough to find out what and how on the autopsy table. <laughs> Kill her. And that's when the professor who now has Cerebro on says, Gene, her mind is active again. Now is the time to strike. So the X-Men jump out of the plane. They have some commentary around Storm can protect herself from the cold and Iceman can protect herself from the cold. But what about Angel and Colossus? This is all unnecessary because in the next panel, well, next page anyways, they're going to be pretty close to the base. It's just John Byrne having fun with details. I guess. It's just like, okay. It doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't, it doesn't really add anything. Yeah, I agree that it, it would be better without it because then you just get this sweet art. Right. Instead of all these word balloons on top of like, yeah, my hands are cold. <laughs> no sweat, Arch, which so Iceman calls Arch Archangel. Oh. Was Archangel. But he says, no sweat, Arch. According to the prof, we don't have to go far. So is it Archangel? I don't know. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's Archangel. I think you might be right. I mean, Arch, like Arch Nemesis, uh, Arch Angel, um, which I guess would mean not an angel. Yeah. So. Although wouldn't Arch Nemesis, that's my Arch Nemesis. Doesn't that mean that that is not my nemesis? I thought Arch was like a, like a negative, like a con. My Arch Nemesis is my, my main nemesis, my Arch, my opposite. Like Batman's Arch Nemesis is the Joker. Let's just see if, uh. Google can tell me what an archangel is. No, there's seven archangels. Michael was an archangel, and I'm not going to go any farther. So it's a it's a archangels are the second lowest rank of angel in the Christian hierarchy of angels, but forward by pseudo Dionysus of the 
I, I don't know. So second lowest rank of angels. It's a biblical thing. Yeah. Second lowest rank. Second. So what's the lowest rank and what's the highest rank? I, I don't know. There's a diagram here. Oh, it's just a bunch of names. You got the Michael dude, Raphael. Satan, the fallen angel, the lowest rank of angels, or does he still have a rank? <laughs> I, I don't you know. know. It's the, uh, like, you're no longer an angel. You don't get to, you don't get to do that. So Arch, I like that. I think, yeah, I was, I was definitely an archangel guy growing up, but I don't know why. There's no other word that's A-R-C-H that's pronounced arch. I was a magneto kid growing up, so what do I know? Same. So the storm casts some lightning to breach their defensive shell so that the X-Men will be able to burst through at the right time on storm's signal. Gene is still repelling the blasts. The unauthorized aircraft detected earlier, it has deployed mutant units to attack this facility. Is that the professor in the foreground of this Fitzroy Sentinel panel? It's, it's just a bald guy who uh, looks like the professor, but you can tell it's not the professor because he's wearing uh, some sweet shoulder pads. Okay, so he's either, I don't know who he is. He's just some guy. Okay, just some bald dude who happens to look like he's sitting in the professor's wheelchair. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a sentinel, or maybe not, I don't know. Well, I mean, there's a lot of tubes. It doesn't exactly look like the professor's wheelchair. but So I don't know if this was like a psychic projection, or the, what the professor is feeling, or I guess it's just not the professor, so we don't need to worry about it. Fitzroy points out this is ridiculous. Frost powers are nothing like this. You already said that, Fitzroy. Get over it. Yeah, move on. Get some nude lines. <laughs> Colossus, by the Eternal, the X-Men are here, says Fitzroy. Easy, Gene. I've got you. You know, we missed something that I just wanted to mention. There okay. was a yeah, there was a line on page three, so going way back, where Storm is telling everybody what happened. Um, there was another involved, the mutant, a stranger. He did not seem to be in league with Pierce. In the end, we prevailed against the Sentinels, and the stranger fled, taking the Hellfire Club's White Queen with him. Asterisk, editor's note, not quite what you saw last issue, but take our word for it, it's what happened. So I, I, it's not really terribly relevant, but it just shows that there was a little retcon between even single issues. I'm assuming that that is what happened after the issue ended, but I honestly didn't go back to look to see what did happen. Neither did I. So I don't know if it's a total retcon or if they're just saying like, this is what happened where after where we left off. I'm gonna look now that okay. I, now that I brought it up. <laughs> that's on now me. That you've opened the casket. It's time to look at the corpse. That's right. I did this. That's a saying that I just made up. It's really nice. It's pretty awful. <laughs> uh, all right. So da, 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 da. we don't actually see the White Queen. Actually, we don't see we don't see the escape at all. So yeah, you. It's, I guess it's not really a retcon. All we see is Jean kind of dead, Colossus holding her, uh, the Sentinels blasting at Jean. And then does space show up, the Senator? Senator Kelly shows up. But Fitzroy's last line is, We have done well, my Sentinel. We, will, we have not killed all the X-Men as I might have wished. And that's his last panel. Let's just see the last place we see the White Queen. I think she just... Yeah, she is dead. I can't feel her emotions. The White Queen is dead. So, it's fine. I was assuming that she just also went into another body. Yeah, it's just the way the the editor phrased it. I, I think I, I would have just said, like, these events happen. I wouldn't have said anything, or I would have said these events happened after the issue ended or something like that. Yeah, it's kind of like going back to Empire Strikes Back and adding Vader get onto a <laughs> shuttle. Was that Empire or was that uh, uh, Return of the Jedi? I thought that was Empire, but... I think it was Return know, of the Jedi. Whatever. Because they wanted the transition from him being on Endor with Luke to being on the Death Star. Or maybe it was Empire. I don't remember. I know exactly what you're talking about, and you're right. It's like, well, it was totally unnecessary. And I, it actually I think it was after the battle with Luke on the on the um, the whatever, the, the, the place where he cuts off Luke's hand. Okay. Maybe yeah 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 because they stole a scene from Return of the Jedi to make that work yeah um and and you know when you rewatch it you're like something's wrong with the pacing <laughs> and then you realize oh 
why did they shove this scene in here? It's this useless scene of Vader getting on a ship. Because maybe somebody once told George Lucas, some fanboy at some convention was like, hey, how does Vader just appear on that ship? Can, can he teleport? Is that a thing Darth Vader can do? And then George Lucas like was like, oh, my God. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's right. Yeah, I have to fix this. Somehow I need to fix this. He whips out his notepad and he writes it down. He's like, oh, one so, day. Things I need to fix. Han Solo, not so bad a guy. <laughs> He's definitely not going to shoot first. Did you watch that uh, little fan fan edit of um, uh, Jabba the Hutt being projected instead of actually being um, um, no, Tatooine? Uh, I, I will watch it, but is it any good? It's great. Really? And, and like that whole scene... Uh, is obviously not needed, right? Because it, it ruins the pacing and it kind of, uh, I think it reveals the Millennium Falcon before the actual Millennium Falcon reveal. So there's just like, there's no need for that scene to exist. I think we all agree with that. I think we also agree that almost both CGI Jabba's are kind of terrible and it doesn't really make sense that he's just hanging out in a docking bay with Boba Fett. Um, so the way that this dude did it, where he basically makes it a, a, a hologram or kind of like one of those Star Wars 3D, you know, communication things, uh, would have made a lot more sense. And it actually looks really good. You don't have to deal with Han walking over his tail and just some other things that just didn't make sense about that scene. It's worth watching. Do they, I, I'm definitely going to watch it. Do they fix the dialogue that is essentially the same as the Greedo dialogue? It's, no, it's, uh, this is not new footage. There's actually one scene that's new footage and he there's like a little behind the scenes of how he did it um, at the end. But no, it's it's just lifted from probably the Blu-ray and then modified. Does Boba Fett wink at the camera? Yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> he should have cut before that happens, but he doesn't. Yeah. Hey, it's me. Hey, Boba Fett's in this movie, too. Check me out. All right. Well, anyways, uh, the uh, the X-Men, uh, they land and and they have a. Uh, they throw punches. Warren, then you know what happened? Professor X was able to deduce the circumstances, Gene. We have put your real body safely in cryogenic storage on the Blackbird. Now all we have to do is mop up this bunch of losers. Fitzroy says, this is impossible. How could this be happening? And that's when Bantam says, dude, I told you. The Sentinels did try to warn an aircraft was... And that's when he uh, kills, I guess, Bat- Batman. Uh, silence, I'll have no underling lecture me. And it looks like he absorbs his powers. And I was thinking maybe this is why what happens in the end happens, because now he's got all this extra residue floating around in the portal that he just opened up. Does he? But but then something else happens. And oh, okay. Was that out of the water? So I was thinking that that would be kind of clever that he he absorbs a couple of people, but the portal isn't closed. And that explains how he gets through. But then they do a whole other thing that yeah, he yes, also explains it, but in a much less cool way, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. This guy is crazy and unhinged. There's just no way anybody would work with this man because he's just absorbing people left and right. I mean, maybe he's got a really good health plan. <laughs> it's true. Maybe he pays well. <clears throat> um, it's like Cobra Commander. Why does, does anybody work for Cobra Commander? Yeah. He's a failure. It's true. He's never had a successful job. That's true. That's why they built Serpentor. That's true. Well, and then Serpentor never had a successful job either. Well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> just once you want to see some of these villains just, just win a little bit before they lose. Right. And I guess that kind of happens in the G.I. Joe movies. Like, Cobra Commander's winning, 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 and then ultimately he loses. Cobra Commander? Yeah. And like the uh, the early, not not the movie movie, but the early five-parters. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that, that's like the, the, that's all the five-parters. It's like the bad guys, even the Serpentor thing, the bad guys do really well until they don't. Exactly. Uh, Forge has Emma Frost's body in, in like a gold hover bike thing, which is pretty awesome. Load the White Queen in the containment pod, Archangel. We, Archangel, sorry. We have to be on our guard in case this is some kind of double bluff. Don't let caution get in the way of properly protecting her. The professor says that Jean's psyche is in the White Queen's body, and Jean's got to be saved at any cost. Go to bed on that score, Archangel. Yeah, poor just kind of like, dude, there's no reason to <laughs> be so harsh. 
I think we're trying to get to Warren being in love with Gene again. Who you think so? I, I maybe. Okay, maybe. John Bird's old school. That's true. I don't know. Or maybe he, you know, maybe he just really cares about maybe it's not an in love with Gene. Maybe Gene's just like one of his closest friends and he's like just, you know. Yeah. She's my pal. Yeah. Like, don't I know I know you suspect that this might be a, a possible fake out, but the presser says it isn't, so let's just be cautious. Wasn't there a minute where Cyclops thought Gene had a thing for Forge? I think so, yeah. Back in X Factor? X Factor, I believe so. Yeah. It's weird. There was some weird chemistry between Gene and Forge. That's it's done with. Anyway, yeah. Anyways, Colossus is like, that's just too easy. We are done. And uh, Fitzroy comes out with some Sentinels and he's like, destroy them, destroy the X-Men. Well, that's my cue to leave, says Forge. Well, my guest is still safe. Get her back to Professor X, Forge. We will deal with the Sentinels. And this time they have a plan. Uh, Archangel and uh, Storm and I guess Colossus is also, she says Archangel Colossus smash them. Colossus just kind of stands there. Um, and then Iceman is going to fuse the Sentinel parts that have just been smashed so that they can't rebuild quickly. It's a solid plan. Sure. Have we ever seen uh, Iceman's powers work so well? I, I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> the Sentinels are failing. The most advanced Sentinels ever created in the X-Men are destroying them. But I'm not finished yet. The Sentinels may be failures, but they may are occupying the X-Men long enough that I may drain the life energy out of my captives. And he starts draining all of the uh, prisoners, Hellions and not Hellions. And then he opens a portal and looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh, ten. Ten goons come out and... Uh, a couple of them have M's on their foreheads. Right. Well, they're going to do a thing. Worth noting. Because I think that those guys all came from a time period. Yeah. I I wonder if they were clever enough. Uh, there's a lot of dudes in that circle. I wonder if they were clever enough to like have the right amount of dudes available for everything that happens or or not. I'm not going to count. <laughs> But yeah, well, see, ten plus three, so there would need to be at least thirteen. Although we also have Bantam, yep. so I don't know. Maybe who cares? Um, probably, <laughs> I'm going to say probably not. There's probably going to be more than thirteen prisoners, and then we can just say he did thirteen or something. He had as many as he needed. If there were exactly twelve prisoners, that would be cool. Yeah, but they probably didn't do that. Now I want to go back and look. <laughs> Uh, remember your sworn oath. Like, Fitzroy has a sworn oath with a lot of dudes. It's like, how does he have a sworn oath with all of these people? I mean, I'm assuming Fitzroy is also from the future. Fitzroy uh, has not been established to be from the future, but Fitzroy is from the future. So there's definitely more than 12 of these dudes. There's like there's like 15 of them. So I'm going to guess that he was like future gang leader of all these guys and you know, they're sitting in an alleyway one evening. He's like, oh, man, if only like we could go into the past, right? Like I'd go there and then I'd bring you all you guys and we just take over. And then one day he discovers he's got these powers and through some accident, he is able to go through his portal. But then he also discovers that he can never go through another portal again for some reason. But he's like, guys, as he's going through the portal, he's like, I'm going to bring you. Oh, wait, wait for me. And then we'll have a blood oath. The implication of the first three guys that he brought through was that they were being held captive or something like that. So he was freeing them. So oh. that's why they owe him. So I don't know if that's true with these guys, too. These guys, he just says, remember your sworn oath. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So these guys come through, and then we get a kind of a wasted full-page spread of some other dudes coming through. It's not great. We get a full-page spread of the X-Men fighting. Yeah, I think Will Sportacio is like, ugh, got to get this thing over with. <laughs> so two not-so-great full-page spreads. Looks like that won't be much of a strain, shiny, says Iceman to Colossus. They look tough, but they have no defense against my ice. And on this page 20, John Byrne is doing his level best to make sure there's enough words to, to make it seem like it's a a typical you know six-panel layout. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's not great. 
What did he mean about them being denizens of the future? Hmm. Come on. What do you think he meant? You're X-Men. You've been to the future and to the past. There will be time enough for such questions after they are rendered harmless, Archangel. We must incapacitate them. Uh, they look pretty tough, says Iceman, but they have no defense against my ice. As shown by the him covering M-head guy with, uh, with ice. And that guy's like, oh, I have no defense against your eyes. <laughs> he says that. Does he? No. <laughs> like, uh, not a my issue. Perhaps not, Ice Man, but you, I think you will discover the night is full of surprise. What? The portal. No, and gun blazes come blasting through the portal, destroying the two sentinels that are hanging out next to uh, Fitzroy. And somebody grabs Fitzroy. I want young Fitzroy alive. And, uh, oh, I don't have a voice ready for Bishop. Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. Let's see. I want young Fitzroy alive. Where's that? Think of like, like an actor. Like who would play, who would play Bishop in a movie that I could also do a decent impression of? So. (laughs) A lot to ask. Hmm. That's a good question. I immediately thought The Rock, but I think they'd hold on to The Rock for a different part. Um, so the. Bishop looks like a big Jean-Claude Van Damme, a big black uh, Jean-Claude yeah, Van Damme. He's like a big muscular dude. Um, so like the guy who played Luke Cage. Would oh, be, sure. But I mean, he's already playing Luke Cage. So they're probably not going to do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So we're just going to go with the deep, but it is Fitzroy. And in case it slipped your attention, this little game of yours got a whole lot deadlier. Yeah, something like <laughs> Get that. Get him a little bit of a southern accent for some reason. Southern? But yeah. it is Fitzroy. And in case it slipped your attention, this little game of yours just got a whole lot deadlier. Bishop! <laughs> That's exactly what Fitzroy sounds like. Bishop! And then there's these other two guys who don't have names or dialogue that are also shooting with guns. And they also feel like an afterthought because they're not as drawn quite as well. Yes. Well, at least their faces are a little weak. It feels like Will Sportagio spent all his energy on Bishop. And Bishop looks great. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Bishop looks good. I don't know if I go with great, but he looks good. He's got this cool – I mean, he looks as good as Will Sportagio gets. I feel, feel like Will Sportagio is not my favorite, but uh, this is about as good as he gets. Um. I like his I like his hand with his weird little claw sort of motion. Little powers coming out of it, splashing onto the floor. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, this will be fun because you know Bishop was. I think like you know every five or so years they would introduce the new cool guy, right? You had Longshot, who was definitely representative of the late '80s, and then you brought in Gambit. So maybe not even every five years, every every year, year and a half. You'd get like the new, the new trendy guy. And I feel like Bishop is definitely like a product of the early 90s and he's the new cool guy. So I think I always liked him from that angle, but I don't know what his powers are. I know he comes from the future and that's it. He, his powers are some sort of absorption and redirection of other people's powers, but I'm not 100% sure on that either. So Uh, it'll be interesting to sort of reread these and and for me to actually pay attention to like what is it bishop does and then i think he's got an angle that definitely the x-men don't agree with but i don't remember what that angle is there's an interesting part in the 2000s where uh spoilers (laughs) he wants to kill hope summers because he feels like hope summers is going to ruin the future so cable also from the future wants to protect hope summers and Bishop is kind of chasing them through time. It was, a, it was a neat little series that I read in the 2000s or the mid-2000s or whatever. And that was fun. Sure. Bishop lasts. He's definitely a character who has lasted. Um, should be noted that all three of these guys have M's over their left eyes. Mm-hmm. Similarly to the other guys who had M's all over their faces. Uh, he also has a, uh, I mean, he's got a bandana. Because bandanas are the height of coolness in the future. And all three of these guys have X's on their belts. Right. So it feels like they're the X-Men of the future. Right. Maybe. Yeah, well, I, 
We'll get more. We'll get answers, it says in the next issue. Next issue, answers. I can't remember, and, and maybe they'll get into it. I can't remember if Bishop is from the same future as Rachel Summers or if it's different different realities. I don't remember. Maybe further down the line? Maybe. Maybe yeah. a whole other thing? From the ashes, this new X-Men team arises. Don't know. Don't remember. I don't remember this entire arc. Nope. <laughs> Neither do I, actually. Again, these are, I feel like I was probably more, if I would have reread anything, it probably would have been uh, X-Men, those first issues. Uh, and then these issues, 281 and beyond, I probably only read once. Like when they came out, I read them probably in the backseat of your mom's car. So I wasn't really giving it all of my attention. And then that's it. They went in a bag and a board and, and they haven't come out since. Sounds about right. So a lot of this, I'm like, I don't remember any of this stuff really happening. I remember Bishop coming out of a portal, but don't really remember much about Fitzroy. So Most of the things I know from Bishop are not from this arc. They're from later arcs. So it was better writers like Chris Claremont coming on and fleshing out Bishop as a character. Sure. So, I don't know. Well, that's it, guys. That's everything. Yeah. One and done. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. Xavier Security Enforcers. Okay. That, that's, was, that's what he is. I knew it was the XSE. I just didn't remember what XSE stood for. Oh, you, knew, you remembered more than I did. <laughs> so, yeah. Let us know. Was Bishop awesome? Contact us at uh, xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. X us on at danger room go email danger room at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts to, well, subscribe and leave feedback and all that good stuff. Or you can go out to patreon.com and kind of check out, uh, well, X Men Forever, the continuation supposedly of what Chris Claremont would have done after X Men number three. Plus some of the uh, Dawn of X and all that other stuff that's more modern, although we're a little bit behind on that, but that's okay. Uh, that's all out there. There's plenty of content out there at a so dollar. Dollar content. Dollar. So much dollar content. You could you could subscribe for a dollar, burn through it all, and then unsubscribe. Just although we keep putting out more content, so then you'd have to resubscribe later. So you might as well just leave it on and forget about it's, it. It's $12 a year. Jeez. Yeah, like, you know, $600 later, you'll be like, what happened to all my money? If you're a smoker, that's one day of smoking cigarettes. I assume. I don't know what cigarettes cost these days. They're like they're super, aren't they? Well, I don't know. I, I'm not even going to speculate. I have no idea. Me, me neither. Don't know. All right, Adam, do you have anything else? No. I don't have anything else either. So, yeah. Until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. <laughs> <laughs>